As you're being seated, if you'll find your Bible and open it up with me to John chapter 1. John chapter 1. Now, let's do this. Everybody, just take a deep breath. Breathe in and breathe out. Uh, First of all, congratulations on making it to church in time. I know that that was a rush. Uh, Christmas time is one of these times of the year where it just seems like there's so much to do. We're trying to get to places, and it's kind of go, 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 go. And I want you to know that right now, you're celebrating Christmas. Right now, as you are gathered here with people that you love, singing the Christmas carols and thinking about the Lord, you're celebrating what Christmas is all about. And so just relax. Take in the moment. Enjoy it, because this is Christmas. Now, one of my absolute favorite things to do at Christmas time is to drive around, get the kids in the car, drive around, and look at Christmas lights. Anybody else like to look at Christmas lights? Yeah. Uh, if you get a chance, go to Edge Glen Trail in Woodbridge over in Saxe, and you'll see two houses there. I mean, you'll think that Clark Griswold lives in Saxe. It's amazing, those two houses. This part of the sermon is brought to you by uh, Christmas lights. But I'm kidding, it really isn't. But, uh, but really, those houses there on Edge Glen are amazing. But let me ask you this question. Why, why do we hang lights at Christmas time? What are those lights all about? They're not there so that Dad can break his leg falling off the ladder. They're, they're, they're not there so that... Mom can get frustrated about the pre-lit Christmas tree that never stays lit. That's not why we have Christmas lights. We hang Christmas lights to remind us of the true light of Christmas. And the true light of Christmas is Jesus Christ coming into this world. In John chapter 1, we see the context for this idea that Jesus is the light coming into the world. So look with me there. In your Bibles, the Scriptures say, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. So we see, in the beginning was the Word. Now, when you look at the context of this passage, the Word here is referring to Jesus. And it says that the Word was with God, but the Word was not only with God, the Word was God. It continues in verse 2. He was with God in the beginning, And all things were created through him, and apart from him not one thing was created that has been created. Life was in him, and that life was the light of men. Now look at verse 5. That light shines in the darkness, and yet the darkness did not overcome it. So why? Why did Jesus leave his heavenly home? travel across the cosmos, humble himself to take on flesh and be born in that one camel dusty town known as Bethlehem. Why did Jesus do this? Well, John chapter 3 and verse 16 says, God was motivated by his love that because God loves you and God loves me, that God sent his son. In Luke chapter 19, Jesus said about himself, he said, the son of man, that he came to seek and to save those who are lost, those who are in darkness, those that have lost their way through sin and and through decisions that we've made along the way, who can't see. Jesus has come to seek and to save 
those who were lost. So God taking on flesh reveals to us that God desires for us to know Him. We don't have to guess. What is God like? Is God some mystical force that we follow, Luke? Uh, Is God a detached deity that created everything and then said to us, good luck with that? No, God is personal, and God wants you and He wants me to know Him. And whenever He sent Jesus, we don't have to guess what is God like. In fact, Hebrews tells us that Jesus is the radiance of God's glory. And so when we see Jesus, when we hear His words, when we, we, when we understand who Jesus is, we understand the very character and nature of God. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Two incredible thoughts merged into one. The idea that God is completely holy. Hallowed be thy name. And yet that holy God says to you and says to me, call me Father because I want you to know me. Our God knows your name. He knows all about you. Jesus said the Heavenly Father even knows the number of hairs on your head. Now, for some, that's really not that big of a deal. There's not very many. But for others, that's a huge thing that God, the, the, the concept is God cares about the details of you. And not only does He know you, but He wants you to know Him as well. God desires a relationship with you. Now, what are the qualities of a good relationship? What are some of the qualities that must be there for you to have a good, healthy relationship. You say, well, that's easy. Good presence. He better come through tomorrow or he's not going to have a good relationship, right? Well, let's don't don't be superficial here. Let's go a little bit deeper. Uh, Good relationships require many things, but chief among them are trust, commitment, and love. In fact, the people that you meet the people that you are in relationship with, they're always asking these three questions about you. Can I trust you? Are you committed? Do you care? Can I trust you? Are you committed? Do you care? And we ask those same questions about God. Can I trust God? Is He committed? Does He care? I have four kiddos. The oldest one's 10. The youngest one is one. And so we like to occasionally walk around our neighborhood pond. And at that pond, there's this little retaining wall. It's not that tall, but you know, it's about like this. And, and the girls have been jumping off that wall since they were really small. And now they jump off of it and they like to do various, you know, you know, poses and stuff as they, they jump. And it's just something that we enjoy doing. We've only had a couple of major accidents in the process, but uh, we enjoy doing it. But uh, my little guy, Camden, who's one, now when we walk around the pond, he'll start raising his hand when we get to the pond and go, me too, me too, because he wants to jump off the wall as well. And so what I do, because I, I'm his father, is I, I hold his hands and I help him jump off. And then he starts getting brave and I start standing there saying, you know, jump to me, jump to me. Now, could you imagine if that little guy got up on that retaining wall and I just pushed him off. (laughs) Or how about if I said, all right, you can trust me, son. 
jump into my arms. Here you go, all right? And he jumps, and I just go, oh, ouch. I bet that hurt. I mean, what kind of father would I be? I would not win any Father of the Year awards, would I? I'd be an absolutely horrible father. I don't do that. Why? Because I love that little guy. I was there at the beginning. If you know him, he's a mini-me. I, I want him to turn into the man that God has created him to be. Why? Because a loving father wants his children to trust him. And your heavenly father wants you to trust him as well. And so he says to us, I was with you in the beginning. Do you know Jesus didn't come into existence at Bethlehem? Jesus has always been, is, and always will be. Verses 1 and 2 say, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He's been there since the very beginning. Secondly, we're taught here, you are not an evolutionary act of randomness. Instead, you have been created with design and purpose and meaning. You are a custom-made creation of God. And God has instilled within you a design and a purpose. He's blessed you with gifts and opportunities to use your life intentionally for Him. The Scriptures say all things were created through Him, and apart from Him not one thing was created that has been made. And your life is a gift from God. When you begin taking inventory of the past year, I'm sure you've gone through some bumps along the way, but you also have many, many blessings. And one of the greatest blessings that we have is the gift of life that God gives us, not just physical life, but also spiritual life. The Scriptures say life was in Him and that life was the light of men. The word life is zoe. It's spiritual life. It's, it's the life that we have through a relationship with God. And the Bible says that that life was in Christ, and He did not hoard it to Himself, but He shared it with you and with me so that we might have light. You can trust God. You can trust Him. He is a loving Heavenly Father who created you in His image, and He takes delight when you place your faith in Him. You can trust God. I, uh, I need your prayers this week because I'm going to attempt something daunting. I'm going to go on a road trip 600 miles with those four kids that I mentioned to you earlier. <laughs> I, I need your prayers. Now, I, actually, the hardest part is not the road trip, because they're contained during that part. The hardest part is getting them in the car, okay? But I am sure that there will be times as I'm driving that I ask myself, was this really a good idea? Uh, am I really committed to this? You know, commitment always involves some measure of discomfort. If you want to have financial health and you're committed to that, it's going to require that you say, no to some short-term gratification in order to say yes to the long-term rewards. If you want to have physical health, it's going to require that you do something revolutionary. You ready? 
Exercise. Okay, I know. You've heard of it, right? Uh, You've got to exercise, and you also have to learn to, you know, put the N-O back in eggnog and take the I out of pie. You know, you've got to learn to control uh, what you eat if you want to have physical health. Have you ever noticed that eggnog looks like pancake batter? So every holiday, I try to identify one food that just needs to go away and Okay, I won't go there this time around. I did that at Thanksgiving. And if you want to have spiritual health, you know, it's going to require that you persevere. You're going to have to learn to wait on God's timing. There's going to be moments when life gets difficult and you have to continue persevering and you have to trust God even though you can't see everything and you don't know all the answers. But as you persevere, as you rejoice in hope, as you are persistent in prayer, as you are patient in affliction, God begins to grow you from the inside out and He begins to mature you even though you go through seasons that are not comfortable. On the other side of that discomfort, there is growth. Well, the scriptures say in verse 9 that the true light came into the world. And in verse 12, it says the word became flesh, took up residence among us, and we observed his glory. The glory is the one and only son from the father, full of grace and truth. What this means is that Jesus left his home. Jesus took on flesh. Jesus, the connotation here is pitched his tent. He tabernacled. He lived among us. Now remember the first part of the verse. This is the Son of God. This is the one who hung the heavens and the sky. This is the one from whom all things were created. He crosses the cosmos, takes on flesh, is born a humble baby in humble circumstances, so much so that all his mother had to lay him in was a feeding trough. Manger sounds a lot better, doesn't it? And can you imagine the little baby sitting there shivering in the cold? Whenever you see the baby lying in the manger, you cannot deny this. God is absolutely committed to His plan of redemption. God has intervened into the scene so that we might be redeemed. God does not desire for you and I to live our lives in darkness, but God desires for us to have the light of heaven shining throughout our lives. And if you have any lingering doubts about God's commitment to His love, think of the cross. The manger and the cross reveal a God that says to you and me, I've gone all in. I am totally committed. You can trust me. Now that leads us to one final question, and that is, Does God care? Does God really love me? I mean, I've done some things that I shouldn't. Can God really love me? Well, the Bible says in verse 9 of John chapter 1, the true light who gives light to everyone was coming into the world. And I want you to zero in on this idea. The true light gives light to everyone. That word everyone means each, every, any, all, the whole, everyone. It means you. It means me. It can also refer to 
people group. So regardless of your ethnicity, regardless if you were born in Texas or Alabama, shout out over there, regardless of where you were born, uh, he has shined light for everyone, Jews, Gentiles, Americans, Asians, Europeans, North Poleans, if there is such a thing, I don't know. The true light shines light for you and me. God shined light into the darkness for everyone. So this idea of light, Jesus talked about it a lot. In fact, he said in John chapter 8, he said, I'm the light of the world. I'm the light of the world, and anyone who follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. Now think about that image. Jesus says he's the light of the world, and for you not to walk in darkness, you need to follow him. But then he also says, Anyone, anyone who follows me will no longer walk in darkness, but will have the light, and there's that word Zoe again, will have the light of spiritual life. In Matthew chapter 5, Jesus kind of reversed the scene a little bit, and he said to you and to me, you are the light of the world. That doesn't mean that we become God, but that means that we are to reflect the image of God We are to literally be like mirrors, so to speak, where we reflect God's glory to the world around us. In Ephesians chapter 5, the scriptures say, For you were once darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. And it says, Walk as children of light, for the fruit of light results in all goodness, righteousness, and truth. Whenever I think of the birth of Christ... I envision in my mind this single flickering candle. In my mind, the camera begins to zoom out. And when it does, it reveals that this, this light, it's, it's all alone. And the flickering, well, that's because the winds of injustice and evil, selfishness, pride, idolatry, they are all coming together and they are blowing violently and they are trying to extinguish this light. But no matter how hard the winds blow, the, the light, it, it continues to burn. And so little by little, the darkness begins to retreat. And in my mind, I, I can see the baby in the manger and there's enough light where now I can see Mary and Joseph and I can see the shepherds and I can see the wise men on their way. And, and now there's not just this one single light that is flickering, but now there are several lights flickering and, and the flickers of light begin to appear throughout the darkness. And they, they just keep growing. You see them begin to emerge in Jerusalem, but then they move north and south and east and west, and and suddenly the darkness begins to retreat, and the air is filled with peace and goodwill towards men. Eventually, the light crosses the ocean, and it, it grips my heart, and for the first time, I see the light, and I embrace Him as Savior, and the darkness of my past is replaced with the goodness of His grace. And the light brings meaning to my existence. And, and I realize that I, I am not alone. In fact, I am part 
of an explosion of light that spans centuries and it transcends culture. It has healed brokenness. It reveals truth. It guides us in wisdom. It unites us in love. And it sustains us with a hope that lasts not just a lifetime, but with a hope that lasts for all eternity. And it all began with that flicker of light on that night when God became man. Life was in him. And that life was the light of men. And that light shines in the darkness. Yet the darkness did not overcome it. The true light who gives light to everyone was coming in to the world. John chapter 1, verses 4, 5, and 9. Two final questions, and then we'll pray and we'll worship. First of all, if you're a Christian, are you walking in the light? And are you reflecting the light to those around you? Over the coming hours and days, you're going to have a lot of opportunity to reflect the joy of Christmas that burns within you. And secondly, maybe you're a seeker. Maybe you're like the wise men. You ever wonder why the wise men were part of the story? Well, they were a long way from the birth of Jesus, and yet God was working in their heart, drawing them to Christ. And you may find yourself a long way from Jesus, but God has been working in your heart, drawing you to Christ. And this Christmas is the season when you need to place your faith in Him and trust Him as Savior and Lord. Would you be so kind as to bow your heads, please, as we come to a time that we call the time of commitment? The band's going to come up to the stage, and here's what's going to happen in the coming moments. We're going to sing Christmas carols. We're going to have a time of giving. We're going to have a candlelight time. It's going to be a very special time of memory. But right now, Our heads are bowed and we're talking to the God. The God that loves you. The God that you can trust. The God that sent His Son. And I ask you this question. Is this the moment when you need to trust in Christ as Savior and Lord? If this is your moment, I'm not going to embarrass you. I'm not going to call you out. But I would just like to know Say, Lash, this is my moment when I'm trusting in Christ as Savior and Lord. Would you just lift your hand right where you are? This is my moment where I'm trusting in Christ as Savior and Lord. This is my moment of new birth. My moment of new beginning. Father, we bow our heads before you today. And we thank you. We thank you for the gift of life that is Jesus Christ. And we thank you, Lord, that his life overflowed the boundaries of Bethlehem. His life crossed the oceans. And the joy and the reality of his life lands in our hearts. And Lord, I pray that we might be a part of that story, that explosion of light. That we too might be the light of the world reflecting the glory of God to the people among us and the people in distant lands. Help our lives to be lived with intentionality. Help us to be filled with true joy. And Father, 
May we experience deep, deep love this Christmas. It's in Jesus' name we pray. In Jesus' name we worship. Amen.